This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Those assholes, anyway. It's like some ugly Dutch guys with like with guns. I'm guessing it wasn't particularly friendly to the current power. They look like they were either coming from or on their way to oppressing a black man. First order business, man. When I take my country back, first order business is take that shit down. Am I right or what? I'm kind of amazed. Tear that down. I took a walk through this beautiful world Felt the cool rain on my shoulder Found something good in this beautiful world I felt the rain getting colder July 2013, when I went to South Africa, 95-year-old Nelson Mandela was critically ill. And the country he freed from white minority rule was already in mourning, and already fearful of what the future might be without him. It's really, really sad because the world still needs him. He's the guy who pulled for our freedom. I pray that he, somebody takes the baton from him. I wish him a speedy recovery and come back to his people. travel writer said something that the more I travel the, the, the less I know. I feel that particularly strongly here in South Africa, a place uh, I came in a state of near total ignorance uh, loaded with, with uh, preconceptions. For the first part of my life the South Africa I knew was not a happy place or a good place. It was a pariah state. Surrealistically, outrageously divided into black and white. A throwback to attitudes we thought we long learned to reject. Mido, 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 Mido,
The nationalist government in South Africa enacted apartheid laws in 1948. Who you could marry, where you lived, where you could walk, be educated, everything decided by racist laws backed by police, army, and secret services. The institutionalized racial discrimination was designed to maintain white minority power and economically suppress the black and mixed-race South Africans who lived in townships, mostly in poverty. In 1923, the African National Congress was formed. By 1961, it had been radicalized by the influence of a young Nelson Mandela, among others, and formed an armed wing called the Spear of the Nation. Do you see Africans being able to develop in this country without the European being pushed out? We have made it very clear in our policy that uh, South Africa is a country of many races. There is room for all the various races. In 1963, Mandela was charged with sabotage and conspiracy and sentenced to life imprisonment on Robben Island. It would take another 27 years of violence and injustice before the inevitable would happen. You believe in apartheid. I believe that it is according to God's will that the white race should be preserved. With South Africa's white minority under international sanctions, internal political pressure, and the decline of the communist threat, Mandela was released from prison in 1990. In 94, he was elected president of a new, free South Africa. There have been very few figures in the entire history of the world as revered or as important as Nelson Mandela. But the question is, what happens next? Johannesburg, or Joburg, or Josie, the largest city by population in South Africa and the economic powerhouse of the country. Southwest of Johannesburg, Soweto, originally an acronym for Southwestern Townships. Now, the area is considered a suburb. In 2010, South Africa played host to the World Cup. The Blackjacks, who played for the opening celebration, are a Soweto-based band. They are also, not surprisingly, soccer fans. here on game day, a grudge match in a country where soccer approaches religion. You can feel it in Soweto, or rather, you can see it, as everywhere you look, people show their love for either the local Orlando Pirates or for the Johannesburg Kaiser Chiefs. My Willie's in, a typical local joint in Soweto, the perfect place to watch a game, talk about a game, drink yourself silly over the results of a game, or just have a very fine local-style meal. 
It is, however, a little hard to find. There were a lot of places like this. I mean, this used to be like the garage or the carport, right? Yeah, definitely. In what was once a garage are now six tables, a lawn-turned-lounge out back. Closed on Sundays if grandma's visiting. These kinds of bars were born during apartheid times when black South Africans not allowed to own businesses in white areas adapted and improvised. They did their own thing, created these little micro, under-the-official-radar restaurants known around here as eat houses. I mean, back in the days, obviously, it was uh, illegal. Yeah. Right. Like, during apartheid, that's where they'll have meetings to actually plan what they're going to do. Right, so, so this would be considered a hotbed of sedition and yeah, exactly. uh, now it's just a hotbed of drinking and yeah. different kind of sedition. <laughs> Mpumi and Tsapeng from the Blackjacks have just finished watching the game when I joined them for some food. Generally speaking, are these good times for South Africa? Bad times? Transitional times? Obviously, 1994 was uh, the peak of the good time in South Africa. Then now with uh, all the politics, you know, other parties fighting. It's quite tense right now. It's not like it was before where everybody's, uh, you know, it's black and white, literally, you know, like we're unified on this and they're unified on that. These days, the party that freed the country from white rule, the ANC, is not universally loved anymore. In recent years, they've been criticized for inaction, corruption, and cronyism and opposition parties are gaining strength. So now it's more nuanced. And I think that's, that's maybe new to us. Right. So I think we're trying to navigate this nuanced reality. Like, how do you deal with so many opinions and, you know, the party that you loved the whole time that, that brought about this freedom? is fumbling the ball. So what right. do you do? Because in democracy, you Who should act. Yeah. As a for ah. Smiley's, fire-roasted sheep's head, lips shriveled back in a joker-like rictus of deliciousness, <laughs> chopped into tasty, tasty bits and eaten with cold beer. Yes, of course, yes. Just needs a little salt and pepper. Good stuff. That looks good. Yeah, this is pap. Now what is it? It's like a maize. Pap, or meal pap, a sticky porridge made from ground cornmeal. It fills the role that grits do in the American South, rice in much of Asia. It's tasty, relatively nutritious, and cheap filler. And it sops up gravy when you have something like this stewed beef real good. That's that traditional dumpling there. That's a dumpling? Yeah, it's not really like other dumplings. Dumplings, important throughout the African diaspora, made with flour and yeast, a spongy bread-type tool for mopping up sauce. Stewed greens, carrots, beans, and more gravy. Wow, that's awesome. So tell me about your band. Um, how long have you guys been together? About 10 years now. Whoa, long time. <laughs> yeah. Would you say you're an indie band? Uh, well, is there an indie scene in the, the what I guess I'm getting at is is there is there is there a, is there a supporter I was kind of getting there is there a South African Williamsburg in terms of uh, South African uh, street culture people are really pushing 
the, the boundaries now. We didn't really have a scene when we started. You look around, it's like, man, like demographic is, is crazy. What do you mean by that? It's not just racial, the, the classes, you know? People are being pushed and pulled. It's like an aspirational culture. Like, What do you think that means? The whole Rainbow Nation notion was quite uh, romantic and ridiculous, you know, like racism is not on a piece of paper, so just because we voted it out doesn't mean people stop being racist. You know? So it was ridiculous in that sense, but we've lived something else for 20 years. People want it, it's no longer like a coffee table idea. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This oh, I want to make one love it. This is Sansa Sandil. Looking nice, Nana. Pioneer of sorts. He's taken a traditional cook shop space in the Yeovil neighborhood of Johannesburg and done something different. Hello, beautiful things. Where you been? How you? Yeovil is a neighborhood where just about everybody comes from somewhere else. I came here around 20 years ago from Soweto. I grew up in Soweto. And then when we heard about the bells of change, we all ran to this central part of the city. With the end of apartheid and the emergence of Mandela as not just an inspirational figure, but the beginning of real and compassionate black African government, South Africa became a beacon and a refuge for millions of Africans from all over the continent. Black South Africans fought hard for their freedom, for their country. As I understand, a lot of them are pretty pissed off about, hey, we're just getting together and, whoa, all these Congolese and Nigerians, well, you know, they're coming in. Of course, there's got to be that. Right. giving and taking, you know. And then people have been saying Mandela's going to die, we're going to kick all these people away. Right. You know, that's not what our people are all about. And then now that's when I took, you know, the tool of food, because that was the first way to engage. 
Sansa has no formal culinary training. He's completely self-taught, picking up bits and pieces where he can, often from the women in the neighborhood. So you're plucking the best of everybody's culinary culture. Every day, every day I learn. The smell, the colors they brought. What are you eating? Where are you from? You know, and being taught by some men, like, this is not how it's cooked at home, you know. Right. Go to that auntie, to the bag of some dingy club, but the back there, there's a small kitchen. Look there, that's a pretty nice. She will teach you something, you know, and then that's me. Wow. Then I'm, hey, auntie, you know, I'm really keen in how you're making your this particular sauce. Oh, and and they'll, they'll show you? They'll show me stuff. And I, I pick up, and then I rush back to the shop and I try it up. So I got, I, I got all the elements now. At his cook shop, he mixes recipes, ingredients, techniques, and traditions as he sees fit. One reviewer described his style as gastronomic smuggling moving people across borders with dishes that slyly partake of elsewhere. On today's menu... I made this for you. This is a goosey and beef, a traditional Nigerian dish. They usually use a cow leg. Beef stewed with melon and pumpkin seeds. There's futu, the ubiquitous cornmeal porridge, but made to a texture more crumbly than pap. This is like basmati rice with rose water. This is achar. Aubergines and mango, and then and a pickle, and then this has got cassava in it. The Congolese black eyed peas with cassava. They have the cassava. These are the falafel. Right. Good taste. Is it? Oh yeah. Awesome. You good food here. Menu change every day. That's our idea. You're doing a lot of great food in a small space. There are no seats. His customers remain part of the constantly unfolding street theater of Yeovil. They mingle, talk, observe. Lots of people, lots of stories pass through here. Lots of cultural interaction because everybody's got something interesting to say as far as work concerned. Really, because food, I knew that food is a way to really engage. You gotta put something in your mouth to get your ears open. You know. Across town, another pioneer of sorts, an urban settler in a very different neighborhood. This is Hillbrow a notoriously dangerous district, and this is DJ Les. When I came here, I always dreamt of being a musician. And I see myself singing in front of a huge crowd, you know, making money in the process. That's what I dreamt about. He spins records and promotes acts and events in nightclubs. We meet in his favorite spot, Sympathy's Restaurant. What's good? What do you like? Well, that looks uh, good. Is that fried chicken? There's a fried chicken. The place is heavy with the smell of frying chicken, stewing greens. Walk right up, place your order, and be sure to get some meal pop. Heaped on a plate with beets and coleslaw, it's a nice, heavy base. So tell me about the neighborhood. When I first came, uh, hey, it was rough, my friend. <laughs> 492. It was like white business district, residential district. Back then, okay, it used to be cool, it used to be clean, it used to be respected. Once, Hillbrow was an elite whites-only center of town. But when things started to change, so did Hillbrow, becoming one of the first gray areas where whites and blacks mixed. Hillbrow became aspirational, a symbol of everything black Africans had long been denied, but was now accessible. People poured in in large numbers, many of them squatters from all over the continent. People come here, they come here with one intention, 
making a living, making money. Darkies, black cars start coming in, the white cars run away. <laughs> White landlords and tenants simply walked away from their property. The disenfranchised who moved in legally, semi-legally, illegally, or, or just squatting, an influx of gangs and criminal organizations, the area soon slipped into anarchy. There's a, a say around here, okay, that uh, this building has been hijacked. Entire buildings were seized to become superstores for illicit drug operations. Everything that could go wrong did. People make a living from different things. Some they rob people to make a living. Some they sell their bodies. Sometimes things don't always go according to what you plan. Because this is where I live. This is where my life is. Yeah, we go down here. I'll show you. We walk down the street and one of the many enterprises doing business on corners and in doorways around us becomes alarmed at the sight of our cameras. Soon there's a mob of very angry people coming our way. We do not turn around our cameras for obvious reasons. These days things are slowly, slowly improving. But before, you wouldn't walk like this freely. Now we are free. There's actual law enforcement going on in fits and starts, and that's making a difference. Black-owned legitimate businesses have gained a real foothold. There are new revitalization projects like farmers markets springing up. Hello, Buildings are being reclaimed, and people here hope that Hillbrow is past the bad old days. There's no fear now. You have to relax. Nothing will happen to you. What's in a name? If the name is Soweto, you best believe it means plenty. This is Madhu. For over a decade, he's been in what has at times been the very difficult business of driving a taxi. You should probably know that the word taxi in Soweto means something a little different than, say, New York. 60% of the other population is using taxi. How many taxis in Johannesburg? I'll say more than a million. This, coming from a potential passenger, means Soweto. Also, this and this. Johannesburg has an elaborate system of hand signals indicating desired routes of travel. So you're looking at the hand signals and said, okay, I'm not going there, I'm not going there. I'm looking okay. at the hand signals. In 1904, Soweto came into being as a less benign version of a housing project. It was designed as workers' lodging, a place to put black laborers comfortably removed from white society, a ghetto. 
By the 1950s, it had become the center of resistance to white rule, synonymous with the struggle against the whole rotten, racist system. Uh, I remember one day, the situation was so bad in such a way that my mother had to put me inside a bath where we, where we put shoes and hide me there under the bed. This is where I grew up most of the time. <laughs> and sometimes you would get bullied. <laughs> This time, two guys were following me. They lifted me up, and I pulled some few coins in my pocket and just turned me around, <laughs> just to shake me. Shake, <laughs> shake me upside down. I would never forget that moment of my life. I felt stupid, you know. <laughs> get on and get on, How are you? Hello. Now there is a definite cachet to living in Soweto a very real pride in having been at the very center of things back when it was hard and dangerous to have an opinion. Nelson Mandela lived here, Desmond Tutu. When you're a certain age and you say you were born and bred in Soweto, it means something. Do most of the people own their homes or do they rent? Most of the people own their homes. They start to make a little more money, things start to get good. Can you build up? Yeah, you can build up. Look at the streets here and you see what that kind of pride does. It may not be a rich area, but it's immaculate, squared away, an emerging middle class coming up rather than fleeing to elsewhere. Hey, having a nice day, gentlemen. <laughs> These this ladies over here, as you can see, they're marketing for their stores. You know where you're going, right? Yeah, I know where I'm going. Next exit, smoky delicious meat over flame. Under the overpass, all sorts of mystery meats for sale. The taxi man's lunch. We order some brisket, some sausage, some heart. Beautiful thing. Meat, a cutting board, a knife. Cut out the meat in pieces, that's how you eat it. Most of the time they serve it with tomato and raw chili. It's more or less like a salad food. <laughs> we have salt over here. It's nice. You chose well. These guys are good. Oh. <laughs> Here, spread over thousands of square feet, the remnants of white colonial rule. What's left from the descendants of Bible-thumping Dutch settlers who came here to farm, to ranch, to build their own world on top of an existing one? The Boers, as they were known, came in the 1600s. And if nothing else can be said about them, they were a tough bunch of bastards. In the 1800s, the British came. Diamonds were discovered. Greed heads jockeyed for power. There was war and an ugly one. In the end, there was an uneasy sharing of power. The Boers became known as Afrikaners, and entering the 20th century, racist Afrikaner ideology grew. Apartheid laws were enacted, and white domination became the rule for almost a hundred years. But look, meat. You want to see an expat South African weep wave some of this under their nose. Biltong. It's like a Mussolini-themed restaurant. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Neo-fascist butchery. Oh, the good old days. It doesn't really look like any butcher I've ever been into. An hour north by northwest of Johannesburg is Pretoria still the administrative center of South Africa, once the heart of apartheid. Here you can find Mater's, a father-son butchery, restaurant, and theme museum. I just don't know how I feel about this place. 
it doesn't fit in with my white liberal guilt sensibility. A room like this, with all of this kind of Afrikaner paraphernalia in it, it just wouldn't be accepted an hour away. It couldn't exist. As any South African butcher would, they sell biltong. Sprinkle some salt, brown sugar, some malt vinegar, pack in layers, repeat. After 24 hours, remove and hang to air dry for a week. Voila, a tasty jerky treat we can all get behind. Chef Andrea Bergner, South African by birth, English and German by background, can usually be found in the trenches of her Joburg restaurant, The Leopard. She's known for her playful menus, but loathes culinary fashion. She strives for a locally grounded cuisine. Today, however, she's my guide through this twilight zone. It's weird here. And though I'm told the place usually reflects the changing demographic of modern South Africa, today, not so much. The customers may or may not have feelings about the Afrikaner memorabilia, but really, they just come for the meat. You pick your meat at the butcher counter. We choose some T-bone, some rum steak, some borwurst, spicy sausage made from beef and pork. And then what we must get, because I assume it's separate, is monkey gland sauce. Do you know what monkey gland sauce is? Monkey gland sauce. Every steakhouse has monkey gland sauce. It's barbecue okay. sauce. They cook it up along with some pap and fries and presto, a colon-clogging pile of meat in the ruins of empire. Yeah, I mean, meat is a very big thing. This is the monkey gland, and there's enough of it, I think. I mean, good Lord, I mean, I could swim in it. Mmm, tastes like oppression. After this show airs, I'm going to get a huge amount of mail saying, why didn't you go to Cape Town? Great modern restaurants, cutting-edge chefs. Is it all right that I missed all of that? I feel like those particular restaurants in Cape Town are not really representative of what most people in this country are eating. I think a lot of our most basic stuff is really what we do best. This food has absolutely got no interest in fashion. It's never going to change. It'll still be the monkey gland sauce and the burro and the steak and the pap. Do you think the white chefs here understand that the greatest advantage they have is that this enormous pan-African larder of ingredients and flavors? Mm, no. If, if, you're, if you're a whitey in the city, mm-hmm. you're probably going to eat the worst food of anyone in the city, quite honestly. In every country, I mean, obviously food is political, but it always feels like it's a bit more political here. That there are these layers of things that you couldn't have, like restaurants. I mean, I go to restaurants and I think to myself, wow, this many years ago, mm-hmm. I couldn't have come here with this person. They were not allowed to sit in here. And I remember very clearly being about eight. The cafe owner would regularly not pay the customer who was black mm-hmm. what's the change. She would pay him with bubblegum. And, and the guy, somehow, he couldn't argue. It was just like the same. If you were a black guy, you got your change in bubblegum. And you'd be standing there, eight years old, and feeling like, oh my God, it was so terrible. But you couldn't say anything, because that would have been worse. It was just like this weird thing of sweeties. It was so uninnocent and represented such badness. It just seems mad. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. 
at this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. This is an Elan, the largest antelope in the world. It is also, and luckily for him, delicious. There's it. Got it. I think that was very good. No? That's a little sad. You know? It is sad. It is sad. But you know what? That is such good meat, and that's really what we do. Though this one weighs in around a ton, rest assured, every bite, every scrap will be eaten. Some of that tonight at dinner. Chef Andrea Bergner, Dion, a local hunting expert, and myself join Prospero Bailey on his game farm. Prospero's dad, Jim Bailey, was the legendary publisher of the slyly subversive Drum magazine, the first of its kind during apartheid, a black-oriented investigative magazine slickly disguised as glossy pop culture. Prospero's farm is a mere 20 miles from Johannesburg. Did you see the city there? Yeah. Wild, all this within sight of the city. Near Prospero's farm and hidden within the city's shadow is what's known as the Cradle of Humankind, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, an incredible look back at where we, the human animal, came from. So now here's this a classic little sinkhole. There's loads of these. This is what this area is. I mean, the Cradle, this is called the Cradle, it's now a World Heritage Site because... 60% of all the evidence for human evolution comes out of this valley. It's from caves like this that keep the record. The geology just conspires to preserve fossils. They're very, very rare things, hominid fossils, but, but they've found more here in the last 10 years than they sort of found anywhere. So you're home. This is where you start. This is my ancestral homeland? This is your ancestral homeland. Oh, that sound makes me happy. What does that sound uh, remind you of, guys? What does that evoke for you, that sound? Primeval, you know, happy childhoods at the beach, meat sizzling over the fire, you know, parental love, your enemy's genitals frying in hot oil. No, nothing? No? Downright Precambrian. Fire and fresh killed Eland. I get to work on the heart, something I strongly suspect will be delicious. And I'm right. Andrea works some magic on the liver, dredged in flour and sautéed. This is a Milan loin, seared and glazed with booze. 
And there's Ilan Paprikash. A riff on the Hungarian stew with paprika, peppers, onions, tomatoes, and cream. As the sun sets over the veldt, Johannesburg's lights, winking in the distance, a feast. Meat on the plate, blood on my pants, life is good. <laughs> I've been very, 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 very confused by my, my, my visit here. I mean, you've got a, basically a goulash here. Italian-inflected liver thing going on here. Uh, the bread, someone referred to as Portuguese? Yeah, Portuguese, but it's from Madeira, that right. bread, that flat bread. South Africa, depending on who I talk to, it's a completely different construct. To some people, it's whoever comes to South Africa from anywhere else in Africa and brings good along with them. But other people, it's all the good stuff from Malaysia, East Indies, uh, there's the Dutch, there's the English influence. Well, there were so many different colonialists. Exactly. No, no. It's, exactly it is a what mishmash. What if this table is originally African and does that even have any meaning? This wood is pine. I arrived in this country spectacularly ignorant. I will leave spectacularly <laughs> ignorant. <Okay. laughs> Ramadan. At this hour, all over Johannesburg, members of South Africa's sizable Muslim community observe. The religion of Islam, as well as many of South Africa's most beloved and most delicious dishes and ingredients, like sambal, chutney, and bunny chow, come from Malaysia, Indonesia, India. During apartheid, many South Africans would have been referred to as colored. Colored didn't mean black, it meant everybody else who wasn't exactly white, Asians and mixed race. It's garlic, ginger, and chili. In the observatory neighborhood of Johannesburg, the Razdian family prepares for iftar, the meal at sundown when fasting for Ramadan is broken. Some curry powder. Joey Razdian is a stand-up comedian and actor of Cape Malay background. This dish, Penang curry with beef and eggs. Joey's wife Cindy prepares a chicken pie. Son Hakim makes the traditional Ramadan shake. Daughter Leia. Everything smells terrific. There's Bali soup, Anthony. Nice. It's nicer to have soup after you've not eaten the whole day. It's like it's light and nourishing and filling and and all of those good things. There's also cheese and beef samosas. These are delicious. You were born here, born in uh, Johannesburg? Yes, I was, yeah. yeah. I'm a Johannesburg guy. So how are things? It depends what type of things you're speaking about. Basically, things work. Society operates the way society yeah. should. If, but on the other hand, in many ways, this is a new country. It is. We're 19 years old. Everybody's from someplace else. Yeah. I think the, the Africans from the other countries see South Africa as a place of hope. 
because it, there's a lot bustling here. There, there are a lot of opportunities, lots of people make it from here. You don't find three million Germans coming here or three million French people coming here. It's Africans who come from far less to come and find a little bit of something here. So how do you find South Africa so far? Yeah. I like it. I'm very comfortable here. I like a country where people have a sense of humor and mm -hmm. a lot of ball busting going on in this country. <laughs> All the time. From the top to the bottom. 20 years from now, yeah. what's South Africa going to be like? Their generation. The born freeze now is the ones that's giving our current president lots of yell. The born freeze is the ones that was born in the new democracy. Right. Or just before the first election, you know? Right. The born freeze now, they like, Look here, we went to school, this is right and this is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. But we had a struggle. Yeah. Yeah, we were part of a struggle. Thanks. I don't care. Thank Thanks. you for the struggle. <laughs> I got Twitter now. <laughs> now I want, I want five bars on my 3G. I want yeah. Wi-Fi. Absolutely. And it better be high speed. Yeah. Absolutely. And why can't I have it? Why can't I have it? I don't think the current politicians foresaw that. Yeah. Foresaw the born, born free is going. Not supporting them. Yeah. There's a critical mass of young people that wants to change South Africa for a po in a positive way. How they do it or how they go about it, I don't know the answer to that, neither do they know the answer to that, but their intentions is clear. hipster jokes. It's low-hanging fruit. And one can no longer argue against the steady creep of their foodie sensibilities. Artisanal cheeses? Yes. Right over there. Handmade charcuterie? Yes. There. Thin crust pizza? A very respectable paella? Yes. Yes. And yes. It's official. They're here and they aren't going anywhere. I like the idea of a burger for breakfast. There's something a little perverse about that. <laughs> Throw in a crowd of much more racially diverse, hungry people, and you might think you're in Brooklyn. Surely, this is not a bad thing. This is Neighbor Goods Market in the Bramfontein precinct of Johannesburg. My dining companion, City Press Arts and Features writer, Percy Mabandu, says we should hold out for this, the Balkan Burger. Next! One with cheese for me. All right, one with cheese, lots of cheese. Hell yeah, flattened ground beef seared over flame. Yeah, don't cook me, cook the food, right? <laughs> Add kashkaval and mozzarella cheese, fold it up, pick your condiments, you got cabbage, tomato, onion, lettuce, of course, and hot peppers. Up to the roof with a view and eat. Ooh, spicy, good. I, I guess I want to talk about uh, Nelson Mandela because what I was not aware of at all was the degree to which he was personally responsible for really the nuts and bolts of the transition from white rule to majority rule. All right. Now he's very ill. Ill, yeah. What happens after Mandela, do you think? We go on. I think, I think the foundation is laid. Uh, and I think, thank God, we have him. As a, as a symbol. I think Mandela represents 
you know, our collective better intentions as, as, as a nation. The touchstone test that we used to chart the way forward. All the things that could have gone terribly wrong, it's a remarkable thing how well it, it's, it, happened, it yeah. went. Between 1990 and 1994, tough times, you know, I mean, you know, internecine fighting, black-on-black -black violence, uh, the fear of black-on-white violence, are we going to descend into a bloodbath? But we transcended that through that message of coming together regardless mm -hmm. of the unresolved issues. To yeah. what extent is it really a rainbow nation? Are things getting mixed? We like to think we live in a rainbow nation, but in fact, in the States, black and white live in, to a great extent, in different neighborhoods. Yeah. It's yeah. only 19 years. In some ways, it looks to me, outside looking in, a little more gracefully mixed up than, than we've managed to pull off successfully in the States. Yeah, here, I mean, you've got black, white, colored, you know, all sorts of people here. But I think, in all fairness, also, one should acknowledge that the economic disparities are managing to keep us divided uh, as well. I think what we need to do is, is unpack what we mean by rainbow. I think the idea of a uniting in, in our diversity also means that, you know, in, in that, there'll be moments of discord. And you think things will continue to improve? Yeah, I think we've, we've seen our worst. And, and that's not to say that we're getting it right all the time. But it's an experiment with democracies and, and experiments you need to fine tune as you go along. That's really the South African, the South African story. The dream is there, we, we all agree. The divisions are there, but it's, these are not bigger than our hopes. What did I know about South Africa before I came here? Exactly nothing, as it turns out. But I think based on what I've seen, that if the world can get it right here, a country with a past like South Africa's, if they can figure out how to make it work here for everybody, absorb all the people flooding in from all over Africa, continue to make Mandela's dream a reality, maybe there's hope for the rest of us. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.